Remember, a toy hut customer can feel the order ship to every country in the world. A zero movement policy and hand-packed orders are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. You don't believe in Jet's toy hut, do you? Kid, I've surfed from one side of the internet to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff. But I've never seen anything to make me believe in a place that has the largest selection of Star Wars collectibles in stock on Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. There's no action figure store that controls my collection's destiny. I suggest you try again, Luke. This time, let go your conscious self and act on instinct. <laughs> With the blast shield down, I can't even see. How am I supposed to order? Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. Oops. Stretch out with your feelings. You see, you can do it. I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Jet's toy hut are collectors as well, so they know what the customer expects. You know, I did feel something. I could almost see the seven sizes of custom toy hut boxes. That's good. You've taken your first step into a larger collectible world. And you'll get a free vinyl sticker with every order over $25. Toyhut.com All too easy. Magnets in your small intestine? How do they work? I'm Joe Fulgham. Choo-choo! Here comes the kerosene train! I'm Torin Atkinson. What's worse than lead toys? Molten lead toys. I'm Kevin Leeson, and this is Caustic Soda. The etymology of toy is of uncertain origin, but comes from mid-1500s. Possible origins are tuig, T-U-I-G in Dutch, meaning tools or apparatus or stuff. Mm -hmm. Toy, T-O-I in Danish, and T-Y-G, tig in Swedish, meaning stuff or gear. All right. So this is the dangerous toys, the toys that kill episode. Uh Ah-ha. Yeah, because just plain toys isn't much of an episode. Now, you are a uh, pediophobe, right? I'm not a pediophobe. Are you a, a pediophile? <laughs> no. I'm really just a, a pedio disdainer. Oh, you disdain toys. <laughs> Actually, pediophobia is the uh is the fear of dolls specifically. Oh, there's okay. no there's no toy phobia. Mm-hmm. But there is a doll phobia. Not to be confused with pedophobia, of course. I guess toy is so children. broad. Yeah. Now everyone's heard about uh lead paint being used in mm-hmm. toys and toys as choking hazards those are like a dime a dozen <laughs> yeah so we'll we might we'll mention those but uh most of the toys we're going to talk about are a little more different interesting exotic caustic if you will we'll get right into the uh the evil stuff now uh thanks to our intern kelly for this uh the consumer product safety commission mm-hmm. releases an annual toy related deaths and injuries list every november oh right, so right should... just in time for christmas <laughs> yeah all right <laughs> And in 2010, 17 toy-related deaths uh, were reported for children under 15. Wow. That's more than I thought. Nearly half were due to ingestion of balloons and small balls. Uh, Okay. Okay. Most deaths were from asphyxiation or choking and drowning. Okay. In prior years, most fatalities were with riding toys, like child-sized ATVs and other miniature motorized toys. Yeah, like... So the rich ones were all getting killed (laughs) off when their parents could afford an $800... Miniature ATV. I really did want one of those when I was a kid, though. I'm sure you did. Of course. Mm -hmm. Now, more unusual cases of death were two children died from entrapment within a toy chest, dying from asphyxia after being stuck inside the bead maze that adorned the top of his toy chest. You know what these things are? These little 
Oh yeah, okay. Oh, kind of like yeah. wires Let's and the, the beads move all around on them and right, stuff like right. that. He, I he, never he, understood what those were for. He got entangled. Yeah, in it? yeah, and died. Oh, okay. And uh, drowning due to wearing uh, the toy box on top of him, and then went into the family pool. Oh, okay. The box held him down to the water, obviously. Right. No, right. I, know, I know why he did it. I totally know why. Oh, he a, thought I'm he would diver. have an air pocket inside it. Yeah. I'm going to have an air pocket in this box, and I'm going to pull it down to the bottom, and I can breathe in the bottom of the pool. Could be. <laughs> and it tipped slightly. Water filled into it. Or perhaps... And then the, he was stuck underneath it. Or perhaps the toy box wasn't entirely waterproof, and so... So sort of just leaking. Yeah. So just right. leak. Oh, so it was a slow death. He's <laughs> sitting at the bottom of the pool, flush with victory. They said I couldn't do it. They said I couldn't do it. I've done it, you fools. Leak, drip, drip. What? I, I can't get out. <laughs> and all of a sudden it turns into a MacGyver episode. Exactly. Uh, a child died from choking on plastic food as part of a cooking set. Yep. The age range of the deceased is five months to nine years. Injuries from toys remained steady from 2006 to 2010 in the U.S., with around 250,000 children treated in hospitals. Most injuries are lacerations, contusions, or abrasions, with the most common area affected being the head and face. Well, I would think that's probably because these are ones that were reported to hospital. When your kid gets like a cut on their arm yeah. Or, yeah. or a bruise, you, ah, come here, kiss it better, put a Band-Aid on it. But if it happens to their face... Yeah. That's when you bring him to the hospital. Non-motorized scooters continue to be the toy with the most number of injuries. Non-motorized scooters. Yeah, because you can get up to a really good speed. So just like go down a hill and yeah. go on a ramp, just like yeah. Warren told us about in, uh, in that follow-ups episode he was on. Is yeah. that like big wheel? Is that what they're talking about? No, no. They're talking about the stand-up scooters, like the two tiny little oh, wheels Oh, the little... Uh, the yeah. razors. The razors. That's yeah. It, yeah. Like those... When you're on one, it feels like you have no safety whatsoever this thing is about to fall apart any second yes the wheels are super tiny so if you hit the smallest pebble known to man you go flying right over that stupid handlebar it's barely wide enough for you to you can't stand lined up straight you have to do your your feet in series so you're kind of like standing (laughs) sideways so if you do go over you only could get like one arm down right instead of getting both your arms down or like you know landing on your butt or whatever it's just seems like it's designed to call the herd it feels like it's meant to kill as many children as possible. That's why they sell so well. Yeah. <laughs> Parents, they're proactive uh, after their passive third trimester attempted abortion. <laughs> oh, we'll, get we'll just get them a razor in a few years. <laughs> That's what they were used to, originally were called, called abortion makers. Yeah, and they changed them to razors. Marketing, the marketing department got a hold of it and uh, turned that company around. Now, in history, we'll, uh, I've got a list of uh, items that were recalled or just terrible things happened. Okay. Uh, thanks to our intern, Todd, for a bunch of these. We'll start off way back in 1843. Oh, okay. The Stevens Model Dockyard Locomotive. This is one of the first locomotive models that actually moved. The Stevens Company model was a real steam-propelled engine that required kids to pour either kerosene or alcohol <laughs> into the train and then light it. What could possibly go wrong? Wow. <laughs> it even came with a little boiler attachment to heat the water. <laughs> the toy steam engines of this era were nicknamed dribblers or piddlers <laughs> because they tended to piss a continuous stream of alcohol or kerosene-laden water <laughs> as they rolled along the floor. <laughs> So it's leaving a trail of flammable liquid. Uh, And it's got a flame, uh, uh, an actual flame uh, heating a boiler. 
this on is, the toy itself. This is a slow motion movie vengeance scene <laughs> just waiting to happen. At the other side of the train track, the dog is there with a pack of matches <laughs> looking at the kid and going, Remember all the times you said you threw that ball and didn't? <laughs> <laughs> this is Mel Gibson from Payback, that scene where he blows that car up. Also, at this point, toy trains didn't even have tracks, so kids could just set them on a path of destruction across the house and then light the kerosene coming out of the back. Uh, who designed that toy and Stevens thought to company. This is this is going to work. No one's going to burn their house down. I guess back in this day, day and age, at least, there, it wasn't nearly such a litigious society. I'm sure they... Uh... Oh, yeah. You, that's why you had so many children <laughs> back in the 1800s. It's, it's the Stevens, is your child smart enough to live <laughs> test. Yeah, that's right. They, they market it toy. not as a toy train. It's a, uh, is your child you know worthy of survival? If your kid lasts until they're 16, congratulations. They're like not totally idiots. Nazi-esque natural selection type yeah. of an experiment. It's the modern-day equivalent of throwing the kids to the wolves that the Spartans did. You know, if you right. survive, you're tough. And if you survive this dangerous toy, then you're smart enough to live in our modern society. It's the Darwin Awards, but it's kind of entrapment. <laughs> uh, moving up to 1993, when the Slip and Slide collection was recalled. Oh, Okay. Now, the Slip and Slide and its brethren, the Slip and Splash, White Water Rapids, and Wet Banana. Yeah, I remember all those from my childhood. Sold more than 9 million units from 1961 through 1992. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I had one. I, I, there was always, everywhere I lived, there was at least one kid on the block who had one. Yeah, yeah. According to the 1993 recall, because of their weight and height, adults and teenagers who dive onto the water slide may hit and abruptly stop in such a way that could cause permanent spinal cord injury resulting in quadriplegia or paraplegia. The slider's forward momentum drives the body into the neck and compresses right. the spinal cord. Oh, uh, I get right. it. And so this is probably because people, the, the teenagers and adults, are heavy enough that they can't, that the force of gravity is pushing them down on the, the slide, so it doesn't slide as much. Yeah, and you hit a dry spot, <laughs> so and you, all of a sudden you, you hit just a dry flip. spot where all of a sudden you just don't have enough yeah. slipperiness to keep going. Your body stops, but your spine wants to keep going. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, seven adults and thirteen and a thirteen-year-old suffered neck injuries or paralysis as a result of using the slides. So really, it was just a uh, people too old for the the, the slip and slide yeah. were using it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's designed for children, not for adults. Yeah. Given the irregularities in most yards turf and the general danger in sliding headfirst down a hill, the injuries aren't all that surprising. <laughs> Now, there are new ones now, I think. that Don't they have, like, sprayers, like, the, you plug the hose into it so it sprays down the whole length of it? I have no idea. Did I do s- not know how slip-and-slide technology has advanced over the past two decades. Let's move to 1988, one of the most infamous okay. of dangerous toys, lawn darts. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yes. jarts. Also owned these. <laughs> yeah. From a 1997 news report in Washington, after a recent serious injury caused by a lawn dart, the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission reissued its warning that lawn darts are banned and should be destroyed. Effective 1988, CPSC banned the sale of all lawn darts in the United States. Pointed lawn darts intended for use in an outdoor game have been responsible for the deaths of three children. The most recent injury occurred in 1997 in Elkhart, Indiana, when a seven-year-old boy suffered a brain injury after, after a lawn dart pierced his skull. That would do it. Yeah. They're giant darts. CPS. Giant, super heavy darts. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're not even, like, a, you know, a dart, you throw at a dartboard, they, they're they're light, and they can only pierce you for like an inch, maybe, inch and a half, right? They only inflict 1d4 damage, <laughs> yeah. but the crit margin is like 18 through 20. <laughs> That's 
Uh, CPSC banned lawn darts in 1988, but some of these dangerous products may still be in garages, basements, or secondhand stores. Yeah, because yeah. they're like made out of steel. Like those yep. things got a half life of like 500 years. <laughs> like they're not going yeah. anywhere. Steel and industrial plastic, and yeah. like, and nobody thought to get rid of them when they're done. It was just pack them up yeah. in the summer box. Yeah, it's going to be uh, cockroaches and lawn darts that are left after the <laughs> apocalypse. Before the ban, lawn darts were sold in sets that usually included four large darts and two targets. The darts typically are about 12 inches long with a heavy metal or weighted plastic tip on the end and three plastic fins on a rod at the other end. The darts are intended to be grasped by the rod and thrown underhand toward a target. Uh, This is from the book of The World's Worst, one of my favorite books. Lawn darts were responsible for at least three child impalement fatalities between 78 and 88. Hospital emergency rooms received more than 6,700 lawn dart casualties during the toy's 10-year reign of terror. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you guys remember the cabbage patch snack time kids doll from 1996 it was in the news i remember the cabbage patch dolls from yeah. the 80s then like, oh man you know they're furby like uh, my youngest sister was the exact age to be crazy about them yeah uh designed to eat plastic snacks hand fed by the child the child is supposed to feed plastic snacks yeah. to the doll yeah Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the kids turned around and started eating the plastic snacks themselves. No, no. Quite the opposite, my friend. Okay. The mechanism enabling this was a pair of one-way metal rollers behind a plastic slot and rubber lips, and the snack would exit the doll's back into the backpack. They did not have an on-off switch, and the mechanism that activated was activated by putting the snacks or potentially other objects between the lips and into the slot. Wait a minute. Nobody stuck their penises in this thing, did they? <laughs> no. Mattel began receiving complaints from parents that children were getting their hair and fingers caught in the doll's mouths. Remember, no on-off switch. Oh, and so it would just keep grinding away yeah. until it really received reported, the to- what, it, what it was grasping for. Their hair, fingers, and skin were getting caught in the doll's gullet, which turned out to be so powerful it could even rip hair clean out of its roots. Oh, man. <laughs> Three-year-old Carly Mize of South Carolina was left partially bald when her hair was snagged by her doll and pulled out of her scalp. Her mom was quoted, and- When I picked Carly up, the doll was attached to the back of her head. I kept rolling her hair inside the head. It pulled her hair from the root. She's completely bald all the way down the back of her head. Yeah, like if it pulls the roots out, it doesn't go back, right? Is I don't even know. I, I don't know if that's true. It's the follicle yeah. that grows the hair. Okay. So you would have to like actually take like the whole patch of skin that had the follicles yeah. in it with it. But that probably wouldn't happen. I don't know. We need somebody who knows about these things to tell me that. We need somebody who's one of our listeners who was attacked by one of these dolls. <laughs> or we just need to get a Cabbage Patch Snack Time Kids doll on eBay. Yeah, and, and then <laughs> attach it to the back of Torn's gonna, head and see what happens. My guess is going to be that some of them I'm going to shave tonight. <laughs> <laughs> my guess is going to be that some of them get so damaged that they don't grow back, but most of them probably do. All right, who's got back hair that they want to get rid of? <laughs> oh me! Oh, oh! Is it long enough to get into the snack time? Because this could be a win-win for everybody. Oh yeah! In another incident, a doll belonging to seven-year-old Sarah Stevens, Indiana, had to be taken apart when it chewed its way up her hair to her scalp. <laughs> More than five hundred thousand were called less than a year later by the U.S. Consumer. Oh, Safety imagine! Can you you like watching it from afar, and the, this girl got it got caught, and the doll, it would look like literally that the doll was like, yeah. you know, inching its way <laughs> yes. up her back to like yes. eat her head. Aing, right? aing, 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 aing. <laughs> a nightmare. Oh. <laughs> 
All right. The Gilbert U-238 <laughs> Atomic Energy Lab. I love this one. Okay. It's not... Uh, well, I'll, I'll just read this. <laughs> it's a toy lab set sold between 1950 and 1951. Oh, it's quite a short span of time. The set originally sold for $49.50, which would be about 450 bucks in today's Wow. Mind. Did it come with depleted uranium? It, wait. <laughs> wait for it. <laughs> Contained the following... Geiger counter, okay. electroscope, uh-huh. spintharoscope, which uh-huh. is a device for observing individual nuclear disintegrations caused by the interaction of ionizing radiation with a phosphor. Okay. A Wilson cloud chamber. All right. This all sounds relatively harmless. Low-level radiation sources, uh-huh. alpha particles, beta particles, and gamma particles. What does that mean? Hold on. What are alpha, beta, and gamma particles? Those are types of radiation. Yeah. Okay. Four uranium-bearing ore samples. Nuclear spheres for making a molecular Wait, model of an alpha particle. These aren't like plastic things that replicate these things. Nope. These, this is for uranium for... bearing ore samples. Yep. Okay. A book called Prospecting for Uranium explained <laughs> okay. to kids how to prospect for uranium with a $10,000 prize offered by the U.S. government to anyone who proves successful. Okay. The Gilbert Atomic Energy Manual, Learn How Dagwood Split the Atom comic book. Yes, okay. from the does, does, does a testimonial from Marie Curie come as well, <laughs> saying don't do, don't play with don't this toy? Put this in your pocket. Yeah. The maker claims we used radioactive materials in the set, but none that might conceivably prove dangerous. Now, I asked Dr. Rob about this. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Our nuclear uh, physician friend. Yeah. Uh, he says, information about the actual radioactivity of the original sources included with the kit is limited, so it's hard to say for sure, but I suspect they're extremely low-intensity sources, unlikely to present a hazard to human health. It is hilarious that the kit included a coupon you could use to order more sources, <laughs> so potentially you could make a tidy little stockpile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, one of the things is uh, polonium-210, which has a half-life of 138 days. Oh, okay. Doesn't that mean that 138 days later, half of it's gone because of radioactive Yeah, that's like shedding, behavior? right? It's just like, you know, that yeah, seems... That like, half of it gets turned into energy. It seems pretty, pretty seems active. Seems kind of radioactive. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, this I'm co- no nuclear physician. <laughs> the other radiation sources are uh, lead-210, uh, the mentioned polonium-210, Ruthenium 106 and zinc 65. So that's the gamma particles. One. That's, that's the gamma zinc, particles. Zinc yeah. So did they just stop doing this because everybody thought they were crazy and stopped? Like nobody bought it, or I think it was just too expensive. Right. This from the makers of the Gilbert glass blowing set. Okay. <laughs> so superheated glass. Yeah. In order to be able to change the shape of the glass, you first have to reach its point of softening, which is approximately 500 degrees Celsius. This is the non. <laughs> this is the non. That's really hot. <laughs> This is the non-comedy version of that Saturday Night Live sketch where Dan Eckert shows up with his bag of glass. Yeah, we got his bag of broken glass for the kids to play with over Christmas this year. It's going to be a bestseller. Only these guys are like sincere. Okay, you heat glass up to 450 degrees. Yes. 500 Celsius is 932 Fahrenheit. It's, it's hot. Like, that's hot. Yeah. And the makers of the Gilbert Molten Lead Casting Kit. <laughs> It's got molten in the title. Lead and lead. It's not molten something safe. Available in the 1920s and early 1930s. It's not molten taffy. Allows you to create your own small metal soldiers, battleships, airplanes, cannons, and horses. It's not even molten cheese. You put metal slugs into a little melting pot, and once they're molten, scoop up the molten metal and pour it into your mold. Uh, this is uh, and conveniently sized Hi. for licking. Yes. <laughs> 
right? Oh, and we've got the uh, popsicle mold, so you can pretend <laughs> with your lead popsicles. Whoever Gilbert was, <laughs> whoever this guy was, he hated children. Well, I think that company was most best known from its erector set. Oh, the Gilbert erector set. Oh well, they, they've got a, they, so they have a successful item. Yes, yes. They've got a lot of failures under their belt. Jesus, they, they had engineers and designers, and there was one half that loved children, and there was one half that hated children. But they loved science. Yeah, but they all loved science. Yeah, I think it was just a bunch of scientists who don't understand what children are. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, all right, we scientists, we need to make some science toys. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll totally make some science toys. So oh man, I would love to do this. <laughs> yeah, if I was a kid. When if, I was a kid, I would have loved to have had this. If, just if a bunch I was of a nerds. kid, knowing all the things I know now, but a kid, yeah. I would love this. So yeah, let's just, make it. Just, just a bunch of super nerds. Yeah, just, this is when you actually do need a manager to go, uh, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> Hell, even just take an orphan and put it in a room and make it play with the toy. And then when it gets like horribly scalded and <laughs> scarred and all the rest of this stuff, they go, oh, maybe we shouldn't go into mass production with this thing. No, obviously it just means don't sell to orphans. <laughs> It's not like their parents can afford it anyway. They don't have them. Unless they're They're Bruce... orphans. <laughs> Unless they're Bruce Wayne, he could afford it. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Now, when Disney's The Absent-Minded Professor debuted in 1961, there was naturally a resultant demand for the movie's gravity-defying substance, Flubber. Okay. In the fall of 1962, toy shelves across the nation were stocked with Flubber, courtesy of Disney licensee Hassenfield Brothers Incorporated. I, I, I'm feeling I know where this is going, but I'm going to let you finish your story. Sorry. The silvery, glittery substance came in a ball but could be stretched or bounced. Made of butadine, a synthetic rubber, and mineral oil, it was very similar to the more familiar product, Silly Putty. Mm -hmm. All went well until the following spring when news services began to report of rashes that were attributed to flubber. Oh, I thought they were going to put it on like the bottom of their shoes and jump off of roofs and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) City health departments issued warnings and encouraged stores to pull the product from their shelves. Dermatologists referred cases of flubber-related contact dermatitis to local (laughs) health officials. The FDA provided data that flubber had indeed caused the outbreak of rashes. According to the agency, they had received 1,600 reports overall of skin irritation related to flubber. So flubber was pulled from the shelves, along with two knockoff imitators, Robly Rubber and Plubber. (laughs) Plubber. Plubber. (laughs) You're just giving up. You're just like... Yeah, yeah. Flubber. Flubber. The F looks like a P. Snubber. Plubber. Plubber. Can you make that part of the P look really thin (laughs) so people might not know it's a P? Totally. Over 4 million units of Flubber had been sold since September 1962. It's unknown how many of the complaints involved Flubber or were instead the result of the imitation products. Hassenfield Brothers were now stuck with millions of balls of Flubber that needed disposal. Hassenfeld tried dumping the flubber at the landfill, but local authorities wouldn't allow it. Attempts to burn the flubber resulted in clouds of acrid black smoke that yeah. was equally frowned upon yeah. by locals. You're basically starting a tire fire if you're trying to burn yep. stuff. Eventually, Hassenfeld found a lake and simply tried to dump the flubber there. Unfortunately for them, flubber floats, and they had to hire <laughs> boats to skim the water for several days to recover the toys. <laughs> Finally, a they, they big... couldn't have known before they I dumped know, they it overboard. They, is... they couldn't have put it in like weighted cases or contacted a scientist <laughs> who knows what it's made of and goes, oh, you want to break that down? Use this. If they had a scientist involved from the beginning, they might not have had these, this rash <laughs> yeah. problem. 
Finally, a big hole was dug near their Hassenfeld offices. They dumped the flubber into it, ran it all over the steamroller, and paved it over for a new parking lot. (laughs) Hassenfeld Brothers, which began in 1923 as a textile remnant company in New Jersey, found continued success in the toy industry until until it adopted a shorter, snappier name in 1968. Flub? No, no, Hassenfeld. Hasbro. Very good. Hassenfeld Brothers. Yeah. Wow, yeah, they, they did okay. They bounced back. Ah, I get it. I'm not high-fiving that. No. <laughs> oh, don't no. leave me hanging, bro. I'm, you deserve to be hanging. Don't for... leave me hang, bro. Hang, bro. <laughs> All right, aerosol string. Patented in 1972. Like silly, silly string? Silly string, is yeah. What talking about? This, is, this is dangerous? Well, I've, well, I've, let me tell you. I'm sure I've ingested large amounts of it. <laughs> I've, I've, seen, I've seen a YouTube video of people who like hit people with silly string while they're standing next to a birthday cake and yes. everybody goes oh. up in flames. Yes. Oh, yeah. A children's toy of flexible, sometimes brightly colored plastic string propelled as a stream of liquid from an aerosol can produced by Whammo. And then later, uh, Whammo was bought by Car Freshener Corporation. Freshener with no E in the middle. Oh. Car freshener. These are the makers of Little Trees. Okay. Oh, okay. Of which I starred in two commercials. They, oh, nice. They, they bought Whammo? Or maybe they just bought the Silly String. Oh. In 1993, three firms recalled about 900,000 cans of spray string sold under the names Crazy Ribbon and Crazy String. These spray strings propellant is extremely flammable, creating mm. a serious risk of burn injuries when sprayed near an open flame, such as birthday candles. Yes, yeah, I've seen this. Uh, flammable products intended for use by children are banned uh, by federal law. Uh, CPSC is aware of at least one report of a burn injury resulting from the use of these spray strings. An 11-year-old boy suffered serious burns during his birthday party that left permanent scars. That's probably the... Maybe the video that I've seen. There's also uh, another one I saw on YouTube of uh, a wedding, I believe it was. Oh, nice. Where they all, like, people just from every direction are spraying this well, guy you know that nobody wants to string. throw rice anymore at a wedding, so silly string, <laughs> Yeah, that's much, much easier to clean choice. up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it hits, it just goes, it's, it's basically napalm for kids. <laughs> it's good. It's a good time. Uh, silly string is essentially a plastic and not biodegradable. It can get lodged in sewer systems and litter the streets for months. It is very sticky and difficult to clean from rough surfaces such as brick and concrete. In fact, silly string is banned in L.A. on Halloween Day with a $1,000 fine for anyone possessing or using silly string. Oh, there you go. In 2007, the U.S. Army declared silly string a hazardous substance. Oh, were people like eating it or huffing it or something? I'm not exactly sure why, <laughs> yeah. especially since they use it to, detre- to detect tripwires on bombs. Probably oh. because the guys have been fooling around with it and they were mad. They are like, guys, stop having fun. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, soldiers shoot the silly string into a room before entering it. The substance can travel up to 12 feet. If it hangs in the air, a tr- possible tripwire is indicated. Oh, that's, that's actually really, really clever. Yeah, that's clever. I like that. Yeah. Silly string. Not totally evil. (laughs) (laughs) Only partly evil. I love that there's a sign here for the $1,000 fine for silly string. It is, quote, illegal, quote, to possess. Can you stop using quotation marks for emphasis? Yeah. Like people, it's it's, and it's even there, $1,000 fine in quotes. That's not emphasis. Yeah. It Underline means, it, capitalize. It, it bold means it. you're referencing, and it generally means when you not air quote, true. not true. Yeah, there's a quote, one thousand dollar fine. Not really a one thousand dollar fine. Not really uh, for anybody you're listening out there who wants to see what Joe is referring to, they should go to the web- website, <laughs> caustic soda podcast dot com. Yeah. Now this next one, which I got from Jeepers Media, 
Okay, a, a reliable journalistic source. It's actually a toy collector who uh, has mm-hmm. a blog and a YouTube channel and talks about uh, dangerous and harmful and ridiculous awesome. toys. Yeah. This is potentially dangerous in a way, sort of, kind of. Okay. It's just ridiculous, mostly. All right. Okay. <laughs> that counts. Uh, this one comes from Japan. It's called Koba Kick. Okay. okay. It's a soccer-related toy. Koba is Japanese for hippo. Okay. The player points the big, pink, vaguely hippo-shaped gun at his own head and pulls the trigger. <laughs> Okay. It comes with eight rounds of candy-colored ammo, which you load into the weapon. One of these rounds is live. What does that mean? If you survive the round and the gun doesn't fire, you earn points. But if the live round fires, a pair of feet come out of the barrel and kick you in the temple, and you're out of the game. Oh, so it's like Russian roulette. For kids. For kids. kids. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, kids, remember when we watched The Deer Hunter? (laughs) Now we can do it at home with Cobra Kick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you probably got a picture there of the packaging <gasps> if this were real life i'd be dead <laughs> yes oh uh, nothing like imprinting your children with the image of shooting themselves in the head <laughs> at a very know. early age even just from a like a game design point of view like yeah. really, it's just a random one in what, whatever one six. In six. One in the, this will be the game. Randomly, you lose. What? Yeah, but it's a hippo shape. Oh, yeah. It, no, it, but, honestly, like who's and it's pitching? Pink, so it makes it fun. I, I can imagine that these like toy companies have pitch sessions, right, where they all get around and go, "I got an idea for the toy. This is what it's going to be." <laughs> well, right? my kid was playing with my gun last <laughs> night. <laughs> Let's make it into a game. Yeah, and there was only one bullet in the in the chamber, so uh, she pulled it like twice before I got it out of her hand. Bob, Bob, you're you're so brave to come into work today. By the way, after what happened, and I really want to say it, it is it is brave of you to put this forth as a product idea, considering what happened to your daughter last night. Let's capitalize no, on it. No, even better. He comes in after like two weeks of of like a grieving time off. He just came from his daughter's funeral. I go, Bob, we are so sorry for your loss, but we have a but great it gave us an idea. <laughs> we want you to spearhead this project. Yeah, no one knows it better than you. You will be the person to handle this with the tact. <laughs> And Meanwhile, he's gone fucking nuts. <laughs> and and, and, and sees hippos and everywhere. He's, he's still bummed, right? He's standing there. He's all bummed. You can see him. But then he gets that little gleam and he goes, what if it was pink? <laughs> all right. Easy sales hang 10 mini hammock. So, okay. <laughs> so it hangs 10 children to their death? <laughs> yes. Sold in 1979, recalled in 1996. Without spreader bars to hold the mini hammock bed open... The mini hammock can twist around a child's neck as he, she is getting into or out of the mini hammock. Resulting are death traps. In strangulation and death. I know. I always had the worst trouble with just regular hammocks. I, yeah. I'm the same oh, way. Half the time you get out of a hammock just by spinning yourself upside down and falling to yeah, the ground. Yeah. Right? On your nose. Like, yeah. You can't actually get out of it in the conventional fashion. What, have we not worked on like lounging technology enough that we have have we not improved on the hammock i mean i get the idea it sounds nice it's held up and it's you know comfortable and yeah. stuff it's got a cocoon-esque you know Can sort we... of thing to it I mean, that's why children love it it's like they're back in the womb when a net mini hammock is attached to an indoor or outdoor location such as trees decks porches or recreation rooms it hangs like a thin rope the mini hammock can suddenly become twisted around a child's neck and strangle him this can happen when children are attempting to climb into or out of it, 
or are playing on, or are swinging on mini hammocks like swings. Or when the toy becomes possessed by Satan. (laughs) There's that as well. Between 1984 and 1995, CPSC received reports of 12 children between the ages of 5 and 17 years old who became entangled and died when using net mini hammocks without spreader bars. Okay, like the 5, the 10, maybe even the 12-year-old. I could totally see it. But a 17-year-old? Like, they're practically adult. Like... I'm kind of surprised that they couldn't keep themselves from being strangled to death. I'm surprised I didn't. I, <laughs> if I were to get into a hammock right now, I would give myself a 10% chance of dying. <laughs> so I can't poo-poo that 17-year-old. Okay. into slavery. He was taken by holy warriors. He was told to leave attachment behind. He was expected to obey. He did not listen. Canadian artist Chris Woods presents his new series of epic paintings titled Sandstorm. Inspired by the events of the original Star Wars trilogy, Sandstorm steps into the black metal boots of cinema's most notorious villain and reveals how he felt. 
Mr. Woods needs your support in executing this amazing new series coming to the Reach Gallery Museum in Abbotsford, B.C. for the summer of 2013. Please visit indiegogo.com slash sandstorm for details. Even the Dark Lord himself might say this about the series. Impressive. Most impressive. Indiegogo.com slash sandstorm. In the news, the government has warned that highly magnetic ball-bearing office toys known as Buckyballs, the amazing magnetic desk toy that you can't put down, could cause death after several children were hospitalized with holes in their stomachs and intestines after they mistakenly swallowed the magnets. In completely unrelated news, Bucky magnets are now on sale. <laughs> uh, so hold on a sec. So there's a there's a, a desk toy magnet thing. Yeah. Yep. And they swallow one half of a magnet, and they swallow another half of a magnet. No, they're all magnets. So how does it create uh, holes in your stomach? They're basically little magnetized ball bearings. Okay. Yeah. The U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission released a warning that the magnets can cause small holes in the stomachs and intestines, intestinal blockage, blood poisoning, and even death. From the New England Journal of Medicine, 2009, a nine-year-old boy ingested 23 magnets. Oh. Four days later, I think they come in packages of... They're, they're huge. Like What's, what's six oh, times six? I've seen these things. I get it now. Yeah. Four days later, he had clinical and surgical evidence of intestinal perforation and peritonitis due to pressure necrosis of the bowel. Well, because he swallows them separately, but they all want to like glom up together when yeah. they're inside of you. Yep. Oh. In an unrelated incident, a developmentally delayed 13-year-old boy ingested 15 magnets. Ten days later, volvulus, a complete twisting of a loop of intestine around its membrane attachment site, and also an awesome name for a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. And intestinal obstruction developed. Both patients were operated on without complications, and all magnets were removed. Although ingested non-magnetic foreign bodies are likely to be passed spontaneously without consequence, ingested magnets may attract each other through the intestinal wall and cause severe damage, such as pressure necrosis, perforation, intestinal fish, intestinal fistulas, yeah, fistula, <laughs> and obstruction. They actually kind of like shoot through you, like uh, like grape shot or something like that, right? Like cause they shoot through you, but. But you know, but they they like you know trying to get the shortest route imagine, to each other yeah, through your windy like intestines. Imagine like twenty three different parts of your intestines trying to compact right. into one space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like it could do real harm. From two thousand eleven news article, Tanya Montieth, a mo- the mother of an eighteen year old Nevada boy, said she could tell something was wrong with her son. Worried after four days of her son running a fever and vomiting, Miss Montieth raced him to an emergency room where an ultrasound pinpointed the problem. He had three metal spheres in his lower right abdomen. The magnets belonged the magnets which belonged to Miss Montieth's nephew had attached themselves to each other through his intestines, and everywhere that those magnets touched ate through his intestines. Ugh. Doctors were forced to remove three inches of the boy's small intestine and six inches of his large. Another boy in Colorado swallowed the magnets, causing six holes in his small intestines. From 2012, Texas, little kids have been in the news recently for swallowing magnetic buckyballs. Well, first I've heard of it. And detergent (laughs) detergent pods. 
Oh. And now there's a case report of an eight-month-old baby girl who was brought to hospital because she swallowed a new toy, a super-absorbent polymer ball. Oh, no. Her great-grandmother thought the girl had swallowed a piece of candy, but it was actually a water balls, with a Z, toy, which starts out the size of a marble. No way. (laughs) And is advertised to grow to... 400 times its original size when put in water. Oh! The girl... Torrent, we're made of water. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you realize this or not. There's a lot of water inside people. The little girl swallowed it. It absorbed moisture inside her, and it completely blocked her digestive system so that nothing could get through. I love when Kevin's science sense actually kicks in. She was vomiting bile, had a distended belly, and severe painful constipation by the time she went to the operating room. Oh, okay. Room. I-, I thought she was going to, like, she was going to start to shrivel as the ball, like, expanded inside <laughs> like her. Like, like her start... head sucks into her chest, yeah, but she's just... got a huge belly. Her, her face... belly button suddenly becomes an Audi. Yeah, she looked like the girl from uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah, her face became <laughs> sallow, right? Uh, the family, unaware of what she ate, called poison control as the little girl started acting strange and were told to give her lots of water. Oh, that was the wrong thing. <laughs> the increase in fluids caused the ball to grow exponentially. Her x-ray shows that many loops of her digestive tract are far wider than normal. Oh, no. There's a little picture of uh, the difference in size between the marble size and then the enlarged size. We'll put that up on CausticSodaPodcast.com. When the surgeons operated, they found a 3.5 centimeter intact gel ball that was blocking part of her small intestines. Because they caught it early, she didn't have any complications. The authors of the case report, published in the journal Pediatrics, conducted an experiment looking at five of the balls. They measured the size of the balls at different time intervals up to four days after they were submerged. Within two hours, the balls had doubled in size, and by 12 hours, they had doubled in size again to about four centimeters. They grew as big as 5.5 centimeters after four days without any sign of degradation. Now, in general, mm-hmm. 80 to 90% of foreign bodies pass through children's digestive systems on their own without problems. Right. 10 to 20% require removal with a non-invasive scope. Okay. Right. And fewer than 1% require surgery. Hmm. However, the unique growth rates of these polymer balls and the fact that they cannot be seen in x-rays oh, nice. present a challenge for doctors. It cannot be seen in x-rays. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So an extra little twist this is like flying the plane without instrumentation. Also in the news... This is from CNN 2007. China has suspended exports of the Aquadots toys contaminated with a chemical that can convert to a powerful date rape drug. What? 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 The toys have caused some children who swallowed the craft toys to vomit and lose consciousness. U.S. safety officials voluntarily recalled about 4.2 million of the Chinese-made toys. Scientists have found the highly popular holiday toy contains a chemical that, once metabolized, converts into the toxic date rape drug GHB, Gamma hydroxybutyrate. What the hell do they put into a toy that would convert to GHB under the right set of circumstances? What the hell is this toy? Like, what is what function does this toy serve? It's uh, the arts and crafts beads. Are they uh, rape beads? Is that what they call them? <laughs> no, they're called bindies or aquadots. Okay. Uh, the arts and craft beads, which have been selling at major U.S. retail stores under the name aquadots, have also been distributed in Australia under the name bindies beads. They're magic beads that join with a spray of water. 
Oh, so you, have so you like- can make like faces and designs and stuff by putting the beads together and getting them wet, I guess. Okay. All right. So they, they, they stick together. The Bindi's toys were recalled after three children in Australia swallowed large quantities of the beads and were hospitalized. The craft kit is aimed at kids four years and older. Now, the debacle wasn't the fault of the company that made them, but rather the Chinese plant that manufactured the toys. Essentially, they found out that some chemical was much less expensive than the one they were supposed to be using, but still worked. They didn't do any research that uh, that chemical metabolizes into DHB, or else they didn't care. Uh-huh. They also didn't tell the company that they made the swap. Okay, so... It, so they had done testing. Yeah, to make sure it was safe. And then when they sent it to get manufactured, the factory swapped out one of the chemicals. So this is like you go to a deli, and you order a ham and Swiss on rye, and they give you poison. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Yeah. Can they give you the date rape drug? Yeah, you open your sandwich, there's no ham, there's no Swiss, there's and just kind of like this fine white powder, and, and then you're like... And then you um, eat it, and then you pass out. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the big deal? I don't get what the, the controversy is about. Pop culture? Pop culture. I got to go straight to the Child's Play series of movies. I mean, that's got to be uh, right. That's the dangerous Chucky. toy of all dangerous toys. This right? is 1988 with Chris Sarandon and uh, Brad Dourif as the voice of Chucky. Remember him as Grimma Wormtongue? Yeah. In the uh, Brad Dourif is a great actor. He's really good. Yeah. So what's the what's the story here? A talking doll, which was all the rage back in the eighties. You know the Teddy Ruxpins, the uh, my buddies, my buddy, the, uh, and uh, we turned into a homicidal maniac that's uh, been possessed by a uh, serial killer or something of that nature. Okay, you can't help but see the the advertising. Yeah, it spawned everywhere. four sequels and has gone into comic books and even an upcoming video game. Well, not only that, like, and also the people who lampoon these kinds of movies are right. lampooning Chucky. Yeah, they're lampooning Child's Play. But uh, I think that I've read somewhere that the last two Chucky movies were kind of like tongue in cheek, almost yes. comedies. Yeah, because I, I think there there are a lot of years between the first one and the. I mean, what are they up to, five or six or seven or I don't even know. But, you know, uh, when was the first one? Like 1988? I bet you the last Chucky movie came out. 2004. 2004. Curse It. That was Seed of Chucky, which Mm -hmm. I believe is the the one before in 1998 was Bride of Chucky. Yeah. Uh, So Seed of Chucky, I guess, is about his kid. Yes. I'm going to guess. 2013, we're going to look forward to Curse of Chucky. Yeah. Oh. It's coming full circle in William Shatner fashion where he's like, totally tongue-in-cheek about his career and right. all the things he's done okay. now and whatever. And Chucky's kind of the same way. And I assume in Child's Play there's lots of stabbings and other horrible deaths and whatnot, it being a horror movie. Yeah. It, Is it, it like a gore slasher kind of a pick? Yes. Like he, he, but um, it's a doll. He hacks like people's Achilles tendons with knives. Oh, so they sure. fall down. And then uh, he's been known to bite. He's got uh, very... uh, Just like that Cabbage Patch doll. In subsequent... uh, I don't know if this happened in the first one or the second one. I've seen a few of them where he got like kind of bisected and chopped up and destroyed. And so now he's got scars all over his face. Oh, he's like a Franken doll. He's like a Franken-Chucky. Okay. I watched Small Soldiers last night. Oh, yeah? How was that? For the second time. Well, uh, good, evidently. Well, I didn't remember too much from the first time. This is from 1998. That's what I was going to say, too. When he said good then, and I'm like, no, you'd have to watch it a second time because it's not very memorable. Oh. It's, it's that's very true. Once you get past the fact that there's 
it's about you know toys that are kind of like super intelligent There's, right it's very rote by the book kind the of formulaic mood, yeah storytelling there's yeah. nothing really stand out there's is that the one that Arlie Ermy plays like one of the major voices in it no you're thinking of toy story oh yeah it's toy story which we'll get to in a second yeah uh tommy lee jones frank langella or langella i don't know how to pronounce his I think last it's langella. name Ernest Borgnine, Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, Harry Shearer, Castrini Ricci, Sarah Michelle Geller, David Cross, Jay Moore, Dennis Leary, Kirsten Dunst, Phil Hartman. Holy crap. Oh, like, yeah. This is an all-star cast. Well, most of a lot of these casts are the voices of the, uh, of the toys. The so, plot being, when missile technology is used to enhance toy action figures, the toys soon begin to take their battle programming too seriously. It's a ridiculous premise. Well, Jay Moore and David Cross are these toy designers. The toy company gets bought by the military. Dennis Leary is kind of the in-charge guy. Okay. And through this ridiculous oversight, uh, Jay Moore uses surplus computerized chips that are like super AI chips. Uh, in his toys. In the toys. Okay. The bad guys are actually the, the fighter force or whatever. And the good guys are the people that they're right. hunting, which are like the Gorgonites. Yeah, the yeah. good guys are the Gorgonites. The commando elite. Commando elite. The, yeah. Yes. And the com- so the commando elite, uh, George Kennedy, Clint Walker, Ernest Borgnine, and Jim Brown were reunited to play the voices of the soldiers. Some 31 years earlier, they appeared together as soldiers in The Dirty Dozen. Ah, Okay. <laughs> and Harry Shearer, Christopher Guest, and Michael McKean are reunited as voices of the Gorgonites after their Spinal Tap reunion tour. Yeah, I was about tour. to say, that's the Spinal Tap. Yeah, uh, exactly. So it was not bad. It was not great, but it was not bad. Yeah, it's one of those movies, like, if you're on a plane flying somewhere and it's yeah. on, you'd be like, I can waste my time watching this. But I would, like, never go out to actually watch it. Small Soldiers was released soon after Oregon teenager Kip Kinkle shot his parents, and went on a rampage at his school, so the Kip Killigan action figure was not distributed in Oregon. Oh, okay. Mm. Kip Kinkle and Kip Killigan. They do sound very similar. Uh, So if you're on a plane and Mm. you uh, have a choice between Small Soldiers and the Toy Story series, you should probably choose the Toy Story. But there wasn't really any evil toys until you get to Toy Story 3. That's the one I want to talk about. What was his name? Lotso Huggin' Bear. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty evil. <laughs> Voiced by Ned Beatty is yeah. a plush t- pink teddy bear with a sweet strawberry scent and a southern accent who is the leader of the toys at the Sunnyside Daycare Center and the main antagonist of the film. Toy Story 3, I almost like it as much as the first Toy Story. I, I, think, it's, I think it's better. I cannot believe how well they did Toy Story 3. Toy like Story I, 3. It's a flawless movie. No, I did not expect it to be nearly as good as it was. And no. the plot was so unique to the first two. Like, they took it in a completely different direction mm-hmm. that kind of gave it new life. It yep. was fresh, original, and new. Uh, I read an article after I watched Toy Story 3 that argued that the Toy Story trilogy was now the greatest film trilogy of all time. Mm-hmm. And I had it, I was so fresh in my mind, I had trouble arguing against it. I'm like, yeah, it's better than Godfather because Godfather 3 sucks. <laughs> it's better than uh, Star Wars. because the Jedi is weak. Because George Lucas went back and like kind of, uh, you know, uh, ruined a bunch yeah, of which, them in a bunch of ways. Which Star Wars do you compare it to? The yeah. original theatrical release of the original trilogy? Yeah. Or what there or is now? Or all the re-releases and uh. whatnot. It's certainly better than the prequel trilogy. And I, like, I, I went through all the rationalizations. I went, oh, it's top three. It's top three trilogies of all time for sure. <laughs> well, the plot is the movie begins with Andy leaving for college, Andy being the guy who owns the toys. The boy. Yeah, the boy. Donating his beloved toys, including Woody and Buzz, to a daycare while the crew meets new friends, including Ken, 
of Barbie and Ken. That whole storyline was hysterical. <laughs> they soon begin to hate their new surroundings and plan an escape. The Ken and Barbie storyline is was so funny and yeah. so well done. Oh yeah. For inspiration for the Sunnyside Escape, the Pixar watched the Pixar staff watched numerous prison movies. Director Lee <laughs> Unquich said, "There are a lot of prison movies out there, and I think we watched every single one of them." Uh, a Christmas Story. The whole, uh, you could take your eye out with that the thing. The Red Rider P- BB gun? Yes. Yeah. Because there's the, the constant refrain, the comedic refrain that keeps coming up on over You'll over put again. your eye out. With that thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> now, I uh, I never saw A Christmas Story as a child. I'm the same way. And so literally last year at Christmas, I said, okay, it's gone on too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, it's on a dozen times over the Christmas holidays. Sure I'm going to sit down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to PVR it. I'm going to sit down and watch it. It is almost as overrated as It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. It's wow. It's got some funny parts in it. it it's yeah. got some quotable quotes, that's for sure. It's got quotable quotes only because people have been quoting it for so long. <laughs> right? It's like, Come on, the fragile? No, it, it's that's got... That's a quotable quote. It's got... The only thing it's got behind it is nostalgia and like a, 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 a group yeah, of Yeah, it's kind of like the Goonies well, or Labyrinth or yeah. any of those movies. If you didn't see it as a kid and then you see it as an adult, they're not... It's just not as much I agree. I'm... There. I'm my story is almost the same as yours, except I don't even remember hearing about a Christmas story until the 90s. And I didn't dislike it as much as you, but I went, eh, that wasn't bad. Well, it was a Canadian movie, too. So I wonder if anybody outside of Canada really ever sees this movie. Yeah. Darren McGavin and Peter Billingsley. The film has become a holiday classic and shown numerous times on television during the Christmas season on the network TBS, often in a 24-hour marathon. Okay, so it, there you go. So, yeah. 24, and it says, 24 hours of Christmas, Christmas story. story. Oh, my God. Wikipedia. I just, you just invented a layer of hell for me. <laughs> we'll get you strapped down like a clockwork orange. Keep your eyes open. Yeah, for It's a Wonderful Life and a Christmas Story for All Eternity. I wish I was blinded. Did you know that there was an elaborate fantasy sequence in which Ralphie joins Flash Gordon to fight Ming the Merciless that was filmed but dropped from the final cut? That I would like to see that. would have been pretty cool. I know. Uh, is that on DVD extras? <laughs> now, moving into TV... Clown without pity. Clown without pity. In the Simpsons Treehouse oh, yeah. Horror okay. Three. Right, right, right. That Homer yeah. buys Bart a Krusty the Clown talking doll that turns out to be evil. <laughs> the Krusty doll starts out just by giving mild death threats, then it becomes animate on its own in order to kill Homer. A repairman from Krusty Co. comes to fix the murderous doll, which has been accidentally switched to evil. Oh, here's your problem right here, sir. Somebody switched this thing to evil. evil. That was a good voice, Kev. (laughs) Thank you. That is probably my favorite Treehouse of Horror uh, short. Okay. Of them all. I have so many, but that's certainly in that list of great ones, yeah. The, the, like the finale where Krusty comes at home with that giant knife that's like bigger than he is. <laughs> yeah. He's like, ah, just the murderous rage on his face. And he's like, Homer's on the ground and he's like, trying to stab him and he's holding him off and it's wrestling with the doll. And then the repairman comes to the door and like, oh, see what your problem is here, sir. Well, my name is Krusty and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Comes from the Twilight Zone episode, Living Doll, the line being there, My name is Talkie Tina, and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> oh, which one? I don't remember that Twilight Zone. Living Doll, one of the, uh, from the original series, the first series. And uh, Johnny Bravo did a parody of the Twilight Zone episode listed with Talkie Tabitha. I bet you the Twilight Zone one was super creepy. Then there's the Toy Man, the Superman villain. Okay. The Toy Man. There's, I think Marvel's got one as well. Toy Master. Probably, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Puppet pretty... Master. Puppet but... Master is uh, Marvel. Uh, but Toy Man was uh, uses toy themed devices in his various crimes, uh, including life sized wind up tanks. 
why they need to be wind up or I don't know. <laughs> when real tanks just won't do. <laughs> Acid spraying water pistols, toy soldiers that carry real guns, uh, usually dresses in a flamboyant costume. The Toy Man made frequent appearances in the Golden Age comics, but has appeared infrequently in Superman stories since then. Right. And yeah, because uh, it's kind of hard to get taken seriously when toys are your weapons. Yeah. Uh, in the 1990s series, Superman the Animated Series, he was voiced by Bud Court. He's an insane man who wears an evil smiling mask similar to a doll's head, which he was never seen without. Oh. Bud Court, you may remember from Harold and Maude or The Life Aquatic. That's creepy. And in the Super Friends, Toy Man was uh, one of the Legion of Doom. Really? Oh. Voiced by Frank Welker. He dresses like a jester and wears a domino mask. And in one episode, he is shown to have control of a world of deadly toys within a black hole. Because that's what happens. I was like, go to a world of deadly toys. Uh, if we're in the comic book realm, I've got one uh, Alan Moore series, Top Ten. One of the heroes, one of the uh, the cops that you follow around in the Top Ten world is named Toy Box. And she oh, has yeah. she has a whole army of little toys that right. do her bidding. I remember. Uh, and uh, she inherited them from her tinker toy maker father, yeah, yeah. who was a, a science hero, they called them. Right. And he made all these toys and so gave her the ability to order them about. And uh, it's one of those kind of like you feel like it's kind of one of those sort of cheat moments where if they ever need like one thing that's like super specific or whatever, right. they're just yeah. like, I'll just make the toy box do it because just toys just spring out of everywhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Wherever she goes, there's this little kind of like army troop of toys following her and fly like, like toy helicopters flying around her and Jack in the Box is kind of like crawling behind her and stuff like that. Uh, so she definitely has dangerous toys in her employ. Well, you know, another evil toy maker uh-huh. uh, would be Philip Le Marchand, creator of the Lament configuration in Hellraiser. Oh, okay. Which is like a puzzle box that would bridge uh, the Clyde Barker version of Hell with the Chenobites coming out and everything. Do you think this guy like had a really frustrating day with a Rubik's Cube? And then that was where he's like, this thing is from Hell. Yes. And then he just like wrote the screenplay like in five minutes. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm inspired. Clyde Barker hated puzzle cubes. Uh, totally minor character, but I love the name in uh, the Tick comic. There's the Phalanx of Gloom, led by Thrakerzog. Okay. And one of the villains, one of the members of that was Toy de Force. Toy de Force. <laughs> he was a toy-themed mad scientist. Uh, however, he fought with Thrakerzog over if robots or genetic clones are better, and Thrakerzog ate him. Okay. <laughs> the team found this out when Thrakerzog burped up his glasses. Oh, uh, dear. In the game world, mm-hmm. Ravenloft... The setting in Dungeons and Dragons okay. gives us the doll golem, a small variety of golem looking like a child's doll that can be used mm. for guard duties or assassination. And it also has the carionettes. Okay, a play on words. I like a play on words. <laughs> I know you do, which are malevolent self-aware <laughs> marionette puppets that can use magical needles to trade bodies with living people. Oh, but wait, so are they called carionettes because they eat? Flesh or I'm something? not sure why they're called carionettes. Because carrion. Oh, they enjoy being flesh and blood when they swap bodies, but I don't, I don't know what the connection is to dead animal material or anything like that. I think they just like the play on words. Yeah, they should. They, like, mm-hmm. they should have written a better. The, the name's the, good. The name's great. The they description doesn't fall. Yeah, it doesn't fit. Yeah. They should have come up with a better. They should have been flesh eating. If they made them flesh eating, it would have been made more sense. How about the Micronauts? Was anybody here a Micronauts fan? I was a Micronauts fan. I owned a lot of Micronauts. I uh, envied my friends who had Micronauts. I learned how to make friends <laughs> so that I could play with Micronauts. <laughs> that is so you. I'm not kidding. Listen, 
my friend Jeff, when I was growing up, uh, was a was, like was a, a single child with a very. How do I get these without going to juvenile hall? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The story uh, in Micronauts. I'm trying to remember it now. It was very inspired by Star Wars in that, uh, like, the, the character Marionette mm-hmm. was actually a princess, but she was badass, right. much like Leia. And then Commander Ran, Ron, R-A-N-N, I think. I do not remember who, who's the guy who He was the guy details. who flew the ship, the bio ship. I can't remember what yeah. it was called. Uh, and he was kind of a cross between Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. There was basically this empire that they were running from, and they end up coming to the Marvel Universe. Which yeah. is which is their macro universe? Yeah. They're from a micro universe, hence Micronauts. Uh, the villain was Baron Karza, who was uh, a total Darth Vader ripoff. He's wearing black armor and a full mask, except he's got spikes on his helm. I uh, owned a lot of the original Battlestar Galactica toys, oh, which yeah? weren't full sized action figures. All the original Battlestar Galactica toys were kind of Micronaut sized, maybe even a little bit smaller. And I had the Cylon uh, like disc spaceship. Yeah, and in the original incarnation of that, the missiles. You hit a button on the back, and these tiny little missiles would fly out. And they would fly like a good five, ten feet. Like yeah. they had some yeah. serious springs on there, and then a whole bunch of little kids choked on them. So then a buddy of mine down the street, he got like the second round of Battlestar Galactica toys. And then when you hit the fire button on the back of the Cylon ship, it would go tink, and it would come out like about a half an inch. Right? Yeah, like they would just they would be recessed, and then they would just shoot out like that far. Yeah, they would no longer completely disengage. So everyone was jealous that I still had the one that could see the unsafe them. one. Yeah, then yeah. I'd be like, "Dude, you didn't shoot me." And I'm if, like, "I just shot you out of the sky." If there like, I, your missiles didn't go nowhere. You got duds. You got duds. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, "I hope I don't go crazy today." It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new. And we'll have more gross facts for you. And you'll have things you want to hear about. We will too. This is the Caustic Soda Jerk Tom Perry from Orem, Utah. Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while simultaneously performing his own version of Tub Girl. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, make sure you visit the website at causticsodapodcast.com. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. You can tweet us at Twitter at Caustic Soda Podcast. And you can email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I don't think I've ever actually seen toys. I saw it. It was terrible. I saw it in the theater. Oh, God. What a nightmare. Oh, God. Which, what, toys? Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good movie. No. Let's not talk about it. Also in the news, 
<laughs> me burped. <laughs> and failed English. <laughs> me fail English? That's impossible. Mm-hmm.